0: Yeah. Uh-huh. And subscribe. Hey. And subscribe. what's up justin
1: oh i am living the dream <laughs> over here living the dream <laughs> i got a lot of sleep last night i'll tell you, you that much but I was on an airplane yesterday, and I, I reached up just to open the air vent so mm-hmm. it would blow on my face, and I pulled it back in my muscle or a <gasps> muscle in my back. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, you're getting old. I know it was terrible. I was like, all I did was reach my arm above my head. And then I woke up today and it was throbbing. It's still sore. No, crazy. I know. I'm so sorry. So I am getting old. i probably just don't drink enough water and drink way too much caffeine. And so all of my muscles are like tensing.
0: Yeah. That'll Seizing be the- at
1: all times.
0: <laughs> I actually started this new exercise that I saw on Instagram, which is like so nerdy, and I haven't told anybody about this. And so I'm just gonna tell everybody on this pot like that listens to this. But like they were like Sure. Were, like, it was like like one to two minutes of holding your arms above your head, like literally just like once a day. And it's supposed oh. to like help with like back things and like core things and like shoulder things.
1: Okay, that seems doable. You no, don't terrible. do it, you'll break
0: yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know, I will not be
0: doing it. <laughs> um, and just for those who are listening right now, I'm currently doing it, so here we go. He is, uh, he's still doing it. You're in like 30 <laughs> seconds now. <laughs> and I feel I feel it, I feel it like warming up my shoulders and like getting me all, getting me all ready to be vertical. I
1: need to get a massage, but I'm, a, I don't want to get into that. Okay. Don't
0: get into that. Don't get into that.
1: (laughs) I need to go to a massage place where they're not going to try anything.
0: Dirty. Tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky.
1: (laughs) Not that I haven't been to those massage places, but that's not what I need right now. I need help with my back. That's the the point. Those are sort of like an all or nothing deal. Right. So Um, anyway, I was coming back. I was on the airplane because I did a comedy festival in Idaho mm -hmm. and it was really cool. I did, like, eight shows in three days. and Wow. um, Yeah, and the audiences were really cool. Apparently, Boise itself is, like, a pretty liberal hotspot. And so they were receptive to my crude and gay and non-religious jokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. And so that was a lot of fun. What was the city like? I've never been to Boise.
1: Well, I didn't do a whole lot of exploring because I was at the, like, the facility where the festival was most of the time mm-hmm. i went downtown once for a show downtown what's um, the
0: weather like is it like the arctic right now
1: n- it was cold it wasn't mm. like crazy cold but it was like 50s mm, okay but it's beautiful there's like mountains around They have mountains like a, in boise yeah i'm pretty sure not like in boise but around boise you can see them i'm pretty sure you can see them unless i imagine them <laughs> i think that there's like mountains i think they're small mountains so your right. arms, like an are, go- the arms are going pitch. down Ooh. oh good you did great calvin
0: thank you uh
1: well, what have you been up to
0: we had the last last week of of school with my nephews um which we like I had a f- field day and we were making pizzas and ice cream and and we i love to take them shopping because it's like real real world things and so i ask them like all right we have to get this and we have to get this is that enough of this thing is that enough of that thing and how much is this going to cost you know like go go Mm -hmm. go go add it up and then i give them money and then they have to deal with the you know the register because i just don't think that their parents do that with them um And those are like real 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 life skills yes um but as i was driving away i was like bawling because i'm just like man like like i won't see them for a while uh this summer um you know i got got booked up booked and busy um and and that makes me sad um and yeah it's
1: been it was challenging right but it also touched your heart i presume
0: yeah but but and i and i have taught probably dozens dozens of kids uh young people um throughout my life as a musician um and uh both one-on-one and in classroom settings and have also felt emotional about those students and leaving those uh, classrooms or you know when summer summer happens um but but this was different because these people are related to me and like in twenty twenty five years, I will still know them. And whereas, like, yeah. I don't really know where my former students are now. And um, and I hope that I was able to provide a situation for them in which they were curious and and fostered their curiosity and and fascination with the world around us. And um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's different when when it's your when it's your blood. And that was the first first time I've experienced that. So um, yeah, I hope I hope they I hope they We'll have fond memories of these times, and um, and they'll be going back to public school in the fall. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope they're prepared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you did great,
0: Calvin. I'm very proud of you. Thank you.
1: Yes, I could sense even from your Instagram story. It's I had the best friend sense of like Calvin is emotional right now. I knew it. I knew. <laughs> so but it makes sense yeah yeah
0: and you know like because it kind of you know whatever we're just gonna i'm just gonna go there but like with um you know when i came out several years ago to my family i just always had this like nightmare that i wouldn't be able to be a part of their life Mm. and that i wouldn't be able to be in my family you know anybody's life that i would you know i had to well i didn't have to but i i chose to um uh uh imagine a world without them and and be and have some kind of peace about it um mm. because so many people who are in our positions have had to do that and so um i didn't want to rule it out as a possibility and so um so so to be able to be a part of their life and to be respected for my intellect and and, and for my patience and for um in you know, professionalism in some sense feels really good um to be here and to be able to, to lend them my experiences as, as a way for them to grow in a different world than the one that I grew up in and to offer perspective to my parents and to my brothers um, about you know about even this very specific subject about religious trauma and to be like hey like you know for for my nephews to say to me you know i don't really know what you know if there's a god or not but i'm just i just i'm just living and at seven and eight years old and for me to be like yeah that makes sense to me <laughs> like yeah um it feels it feels like a very unique opportunity and um and i can't wait to further discuss these topics with them as they learn and grow and and um So yeah. And then next week, I'm going to California um, uh, and uh, playing some shows. I've got a show coming up in Healdsburg in Northern California on Thursday. And then on Saturday, I'm playing in Fremont, which is south of the Bay. And I've also got a show coming up in Kansas City at the West 18th Street Fashion Show, which i um, playing with uh, Nikki Glassby and Mike Dillon, who are these incredible musicians in the jazz community based around uh, New Orleans, but they've also toured all over the world. You better plug those shows, baby. I'm plugging them. I'm plugging them. You better it. plug. <laughs> so how anyway. good as the podcast if we can't get a free plug in there? <laughs> so these are the things I'm up to. Please come out and see me. Um, yes. And uh, yeah. We have had some people. I already said this, but we, we keep having people reach out about backyard
1: tours, which we yes. keep talking about and not planning, right. officially. I don't know but, if we're going to
0: be able to tour them, though, but we can definitely come. I'm going to go to the Manhattan. And I'm going to play a show out there. Uh, manhattan kansas by the way the the little apple
1: well i mean we might not like we might we might we might come to them we might not just do them all at the same time correct that's what i'm saying but that becomes a tour if it extrapolates long enough (laughs) i guess that's true yeah
0: so so let us know if you got a backyard (laughs) (laughs) and a milkshake to bring us to it (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) Okay, today we have my 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 dear friend Anna Joy Walker, who is um a, a, was a, a, a currently a recovering deconstructing Christian. Uh, she grew up in all kinds of cults that she will tell us all about. Um, over the last few years, she has been um, uh, going to different modalities of therapy, and she's incredibly researched and has a whole bunch of insight about um, about trauma and religious trauma. And in particular, uh, she uh, was a worship leader. She is a theologian. She is an arts uh, administrator these days, and, and has been working uh, or was was working with Arts KC here in Kansas City, um, and and is working on resilience in the art community with in regards to mental health. Um, she was a part of the International House of Prayer, which is something that was a part of my history as well, and so we have shared stories about that just personally, um, and, and, and bonded over that experience. Um, and, and I thought, you know, it'd be a really good, a good thing to, to let uh, you guys listen to some of her story, which is different than either Justin and I's and probably different than everybody else that we've had on the podcast so far. Um, and I want to, I want us to be able to, to offer space to, to as many different stories and, and, and people's experiences as possible here. And, um, and so without further ado, I would love to, um, introduce to you, Miss Anna Joy Walker. One, two, three, four. Oh, we were Christian kids. Oh, we were Christian kids. Oh, we were Christian kids. I mean, like really, really, really Christian.
2: Oh, do I have to say something?
0: Uh, no. I have to consent. <laughs>
2: That's I have to. New. That's yeah, you do. Yeah, you Ultra of consent. My God.
0: <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs> Well, Anna Joy Walker, welcome, welcome to We Were Christian Kids. How are you today?
2: I'm so great. Thank you.
0: (laughs) And um, yeah, so you are meeting Justin now for the first time. Um, You and I have been, uh, I don't know, floating around each other's orbits for a while and then actually are getting to know each other these days, which is really exciting. And and I'm really glad that you are joining us today.
1: Thank you. Welcome. Thank (laughs) you. What were we talking about just before we hit record, Calvin?
0: Trauma porn. Trauma <laughs> porn.
1: Which I don't know if I've actually heard that specific phrase, but the moment I heard it, it made sense to me,
0: I will say. <laughs> Do you want to explain it?
2: Um, I mean, I can explain my understanding of it. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I, I think I've heard about it mostly in a like a poetry setting. Uh, like for people who've experienced uh, rape and like, or other horrible things um, the there's, there's a bit of a criticism about the kind of the use of that as like a prolonged way to write poetry. Um, So anyway, I was thinking about it last night when Calvin asked me to join you guys today and was like thinking about all of, the crazy ass stories I could tell, um, but then was also thinking like, when does this when does this reach that area of you know like trauma porn? You know like when we're when we're telling stories and you know I think I think a part of it is it's entirely necessary to um, give people access to their own experiences as and being able to name them and call them trauma because they actually really were. Um, but then I don't know, like, when is that point? Where, where's that, that line? Is there a line mm-hmm. or should we just not worry about it and just talk about shit?
0: Well, I definitely have experienced over the last like six months of doing this podcast, like feeling a lot of release and a lot of like relief and a lot of, um, like minimizing the, the, the scariness of talking about these things that I avoided for so long. Right. Um, and a lot of it, you know, it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't physical danger for me ever. It was just so much shame and like, and fear that, that if I spoke my truth or that I told people in my life, how I actually felt that I would be immediately rejected, I would lose my job, be homeless and have to figure everything out. Um, and so like, that was, but that I have gained a total freedom from all of those things, because obviously there are some listeners out there who know a lot of my story <laughs> and things that I uh, used to avoid talking about. So, and, 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 I'm still here, you know, and, and, and this, this uh, community, I feel, I feel a sense of community and I feel like uh, supported and, and I feel like we are now, you know, we have found other people out there from across the United States and we're supporting each other. And so in that way, these conversations have been really, really fruitful, but at the same time, I also sometimes find myself being exhausted of talking about it and exhausted of like housing those emotions because I was also very good at avoiding them for so long, you know, (laughs) like I would just hide on the stage and then we didn't have to go there. Like
2: (laughs) Repression is the word. I think you're like, Oh
0: yeah, that's it.
2: (laughs) I don't know.
1: Wait, I'm but- sitting here thinking we should have named our podcast Trauma Porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a great name for a podcast and applicable. <laughs> yeah,
0: But you, but so, okay, this is something that we didn't talk about and and you don't have to go there if you don't want to, but there was a specific kind of therapy that you were uh, uh, going through last year, right? Or yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, that- what?
2: I, there's always a modality that I'm working through at some point or other. <laughs>
0: it was the one where to go like to go back into those memories
2: oh emdr Uh yeah
0: yeah i didn't want to get the acronym wrong so do what does that stand for and can you tell us a little bit about that
2: oh for sure (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) yeah
2: emdr is it's an acronym that stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing and it is a modality of therapy that um has been in use for quite a while the actual discovery of it was pretty fascinating a woman was like experiencing like a panic attack or something and she took herself on a walk through a a really long park path and she noticed that as she was thinking uh and walking the the light of the trees uh was like actually doing something to her brain and so she started she's a researcher anyway so she started doing research and she came up with this amazing therapy um and i came across it specifically uh reading the book um the Body keeps the score which as calvin will tell you i will talk about all the time <laughs> um and he just wants my cliff's notes because he doesn't want to actually read it <laughs>
0: well it's quite long it's quite long <laughs>
2: There's too many books to read anyway. (laughs) But in that, um, I I would say also similar to you, Calvin, like just even talking about some of this stuff. And I, I had a really, really hard time calling my experiences trauma because it wasn't physical. It wasn't sexual. It wasn't like something that you could look at and, and say, oh, that's trauma, you know, like, you know, like, uh, there's a a book I recently read and they talked about like how you have to have a testimony, like in high school, you know, when you're in youth group and you're like, "Um, who has a testimony today? And and then it's like always the same pattern of like, well, I was in sin in this way. And it's usually like sexual sin or something. And Mm -hmm. then, um, and then, and I hit rock bottom and then Jesus saved me, you know, and uh, I never had one of those. And I was always just so like, I just, don't have a testimony and i was just you know traumatized by that mm-hmm. um but uh, the, he the, so uh vessel oh vessel van van der Kolk, i'm just totally butchering that name you know <laughs> you know the guy the,
0: the, the author yes the <laughs> um,
2: he actually uh was instrumental in in getting uh ptsd on the the books for um actual like legitimate diagnoses for people and then he turned his research to childhood trauma and um it's called complex ptsd and they they've been studying it for gosh like 15 20 years now or something and it's it's like a whole other set of uh, things uh it's it's still considered ptsd but because it's over an extended amount of time they call it complex trauma um, and it does different things to children because they're in developmental phases, uh, obviously throughout their childhood. So there's no way to just identify a thing and be like, okay, PTSD, let's do this. Yeah, let's go for it. Like like an accident, like a really traumatic experience as an adult that an adult might, you know, feel like veterans coming home from being overseas. Um, you know, I mean, there's well-documented research about that, but for children. So he's been studying children and has actually followed several children over a course of like 18 to 20 years um, and has developed this uh, research around it. So anyway, in that, uh, at the end of the book or at the second half of the book, he talks about various modalities to actually get to the places of trauma for, for people who have experienced childhood trauma. And because it is in the developmental phase, there are parts of the brain that actually get suspended almost in animation um, and get stuck. Obviously, I mean, we've all experienced this where it's like, why the fuck is my brain just keeps cycling around this thing? Um, oftentimes it's, uh, yeah, it's literally suspended in animation. and. In order to move, it's like um, our short-term memory, it gets stuck in our short-term memory. So we're actually, when we say we're triggered or something happens and we like have a full-on panic attack over something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever that we would be having a panic attack about, it's actually because we are experiencing in our physical bodies the same sensation and chemical like sl- like slew. Yeah slew is that the word
0: onslaught On <slot>. yeah
2: <laughs> l-o-u-g-h it's the, one of those weird english words that you never know how to say um, and it's it's like a slurry of chemicals in the brain that is literally transporting the person back into that moment and they're re-experiencing that same trauma and so emdr basically utilizes the body uh which is fascinating. I mean, I highly recommend this I can't recommend this book high enough. Um but it utilizes the body because people with childhood developmental trauma oftentimes their their center uh, their speech centers get sort of like hijacked in the in the trauma and the process and because it's hijacked they you know, if you talk to somebody with childhood trauma they're oftentimes without words when they're trying to describe how they're feeling, what they're mm. thinking, you know, that kind of stuff. And so EMDR actually helps the utilizes the physical body to complete the circuit of emotions and mm-hmm. in the completion of the circuit of emotions, because emotion is technically like electricity, you know, like vibration, energy, whatever, but it's like measurable um, with instruments. And so it completes the circuit of emotion that most of us end up repressing and, and we don't actually finish an emotion. Mm. We just sort of. We, again, we suspend it. We, oh, nope, it's too uncomfortable. We can't do this. And uh, EMDR utilizes bilateral stimulation through light bars and um, uh, these little funny, like, vibrating paddles that you hold in your hand or you, like, have on opposite sides of your body so that your brain is actually experiencing the ability to reprocess and create new neural pathways and it speaks to neuroplasticity and all that amazing stuff that our brains do and so anyway um yeah so last year after reading that book like utterly number one it helped me identify complex trauma and helped me recognize that you know the stuff i experienced as a kid in church um and as an adult in church and you know all the things um <laughs> was you know like deeply uh developmentally uh traumatizing I, I sometimes i just think trauma is just it's overused sometimes yeah. i feel like um malforming you mm-hmm. know it 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 it, I, it feels like i was disabled in mm-hmm in the process um Mm -hmm. which i was in which a person who has experienced that kind of stuff becomes in their brain disabled uh because it jacks with chemistry and stuff so
0: yeah two thoughts first thought is i remember justin a few years ago we were talking about kind of some of this stuff too and and um and Justin, you can maybe finish finish the thought, but it was like you were like, if you ever feel sad or if you ever feel angry, like don't run away from it like spend time there and like mm. complete the loop, which right. is like but I think that was from Buddhist uh mentality that you had pulled that from right
1: I don't know where I got that from, but I've been familiar with this book the body keeps the score and I'm in recovery and it's something they talk about there a lot is like feel your feelings all the way through as opposed to like running to a substance, which will like halt the feeling. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but okay. it is a concept I've been familiar with.
0: Yeah, I love that. So Anna Joy, uh, I think we need to go back a few steps. Who the fuck are you and where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, um, I am me and (laughs) I was born in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest um, in the 70s. I know I get to say that it makes it it so much more dramatic. Um, I also I just it's it's very just caveat. It's very strange to me that we're like we're resurging into the vintage look of the 90s right now because i remember when i was a kid i was all about like bell bottoms and shit like that with and my mom was like what are you doing <laughs> yes you know? and i am literally in the exact i'm like oh dear god oh
0: <laughs> not the 90s again no I, you're right
2: I, we were all utterly traumatized by the
0: '90s, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but those that's just those of us who lived through it so <clears throat> um and I, I did actually buy myself a pair of overalls the other day because I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I never allowed myself to wear overalls in the 90s because it was too, like, in the world.
1: <laughs> oh. In the world and of the world. Yes. Yes.
2: In the world. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It was two of the world. I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> two
2: of the world, and uh, and also like lots of body shame, you know, all that fun stuff too. Um, mm. But I just was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do
1: it." And I did it. Yes,
0: yes.
2: Um. So anyway, so yeah, I grew up in the northwest, and there is a surprising um enclave of highly like really intensely conservative. Uh, Christians in the Northwest. Um, I think it's because of a, a reaction to the liberalism that exists, specifically in the Green Belt of Washington. Um, uh, the rest of the state, uh, east of the mountains, is wildly conservative. Also, mm. so anyway, you have these like little chapters of conservatism. Uh, there's this really interesting insular Dutch Reformed community. Um, they literally create. They recreated hollands in there's like tulips and windmills and cloths and things. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's actually beautiful. Um, but if you don't keep your grass a certain, um, level, they will come after your firstborn. Like these people are. (laughs) Wow. And that's just over grass. I mean, imagine (laughs) what it's like over anything else. Right. Thankfully. Well, I didn't grow up in the reformed church in that regard, but, um, I did grow up in a, a like very charismatic, uh, the only on-fire church in town, um, and it was also born out of something called the Shepherding Movement, which I don't know if you guys have talked about.
0: Mm-mm. I might
2: I might be the oldest guest so far on your your show, but <laughs> there was this thing called the Shepherding Movement um, that was started by a couple of dudes. I want to say in South Africa, but I can't remember. Um, And it was in response to the Jesus people movement out of the hippie, like Jesus people, like a bunch of like sex, love and rock and roll people got saved Mm -hmm. and they kept sex, drugging and rock and rolling. And so (laughs) these conservative, you know, people were like, (gasps) what do we do? What do we do? And, um, they started, they started this thing that was basically like everyone needs a father, uh, because they saw so much fatherlessness in that generation. And so, in the process what ended up happening was it went way the heck over to um i call it ask the pastor Mm. Um, it basically took over families uh like i grew up in a family that i my parents were not allowed to parent us uh we had to ask the pastor uh if, if my sisters wanted to go to a sleepover they would ask my parents. And my parents would say, you need to ask the pastor. Um,
1: wow. That's yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah. And that was submission, right? So that was that was um, living your life in a way that honored God, mm-hmm. honored the authority that God put over you. And I mean, it's like, it's the hierarchy, right? Like God, your pastor, your dad, maybe your mom, maybe <laughs> it's a really liberal congregation and then you know whatever and um and your teachers really are kind of like over that too like mm-hmm. we were cross-disciplined by other parents and things uh there was a there was a room in in the basement of our church it literally is as scary as it sounds it was the furnace room it had a soundproof door and other people would take other people's children down there and spank them no uh and um sexually abuse them no and i mean utterly fuck up so many kids like i don't actually know i think i know like one person that grew up in the church that i grew up in that is like semi-normal and doesn't have like a significant amount of mental emotional damage uh like you know so anyway thankfully i didn't experience that because i was uh like too young. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there was other things. So so I grew up in this environment where my parents weren't safe to make decisions for themselves. Um, everything had to be filtered through the authority, the spiritual authority. And um, yeah, so that was an interesting mix of humanity um, very early on. Uh, there was also a lot of, I mean, I feel, I actually... I had this really interesting person with a friend of mine who uh, grew up in the black church and he was talking about like how he felt like people in his church had to make sure that he didn't get a big head. And he thought that it was just specifically to the black church. And I'm like, no dude, like this, this is like a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but it was like anything that needed to be done to make sure to put you in your place so that you didn't get prideful, so that you didn't, you know, put yourself in a position other than basically what you were born into, like your caste system almost, you know? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And so I grew up with that. And then I'm also a very intense person, as you might be able to tell i don't know
0: <laughs> no no not yet
2: no, not at all no i'm like <laughs> 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 um and i've always been like this you know like emphatic to a fault and uh i know everything i mean i know less <laughs> i know less now than i did when i was a kid but um it got me into a lot of trouble and especially because i was a girl um you know and the the normal like I mean, I say normal, but it's horrible that it's normal, you know, like complementarianism and women and children should be seen and not heard, you know, like don't speak unless you're spoken to, that kind of thing. And so for me to be this human inside of a little body um, was utterly devastating. I really thought that God messed up and I should have been, actually, this is funny, Calvin said, "Talk about things you don't talk about." I'm like, "Oh God," because yeah. um, I really I had a, like a lot of rhythm when I was a kid too, and so I was convinced that I should have been a black man. And mm-hmm. I was like, "I mean, God messed up royally," and I'm a woman, <laughs> and I am a woman that is in a culture of people without rhythm. Like, what? <laughs> what is the problem here? Um, and so, yeah, I uh, I grew up in that church. We left that church when I was. Uh, I want to say like 10, 11, I think I was 11. There was this massive, like weird falling out and um, we left finally. And then, then uh, we became a part of an even more cultish experience. Uh, I was in a, basically it was like a five member cult. uh,
0: Wait, wait, what?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't know this part of my story. (laughs)
1: Is that in the same location?
2: Uh, so it, no, well, it started in Bellingham in my hometown, um, in a house church. There mm. was so, okay.
0: House churches. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so
2: there was also this thing, Calvin talks about the awakening that happened, um, when at, he, IHop. at IHOP, mm-hmm. but there was this thing in the nineties called the renewal movement. Um, and it was like way more intense than the awakening was like, decades more justin
0: do you remember the awakening i i do not no so there was like this Black time a... <laughs> this time at ihop and like there i don't know this people were were there was like a new revival that was happening but there were like all these manifestations that were like a part of it and so people were like having holy spirit seizures a lot of times i don't know how else or, to describe it it was yeah. it was kind of bizarre to watch but i know that people were also experiencing things that, that they felt were very legitimate and probably still will say that they were. Um, but it was a very intense time. They moved the, the prayer room over to like a bigger space. So like the, the regular prayer rooms kind of like closed a lot and they, and they were having larger meetings down the street at the other building. And, um and there was, yeah, a lot of, I don't know. It was just, it was just really intense. Mm, like an influx of spiritual experiences. That's the words. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah
2: but in the 90s was sort of one of the, the the earlier iterations of that and it was global i mean it was actually pretty wild um and people were experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same time in completely different parts of the globe um yeah and i'm one of those people that is like i mean i didn't make that shit up I didn't experience that because I was like, Ooh, that looks fun. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Like,
0: I mean, what was your experience? (laughs)
2: What was it? My experience, Calvin?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Let's, yeah.
2: I I mean, I,
1: did it feel legitimate to you at the time?
2: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I didn't, I mean, I'm a very, I'm a very sincere person like to a fault. Um, and I, uh, Yeah. If it's, if it's not like from a place of sincerity, I won't do it or say it. And, but so caveat, another caveat. Um, I also kind of wanted to like mention this, even on this podcast of like, I'm in development and process. And I might say things today that in 10, 15, 20 years tomorrow, I might completely disagree with. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like put that out there because There are things that I've said in my life with utter and total sincerity and, you know, all the things behind it that I'm like, oh, my God, I said that. Yep, I sure did. So (laughs) I know know all of us experience that because we're all human and we all grow. Hopefully we all grow. Um, But, yeah, so, um, oh, God, I mean, (sighs) Uh, there was a lot of shaking, a lot of... uh, Oh, okay. So what I will say is this: I will I will correlate this back to the EMDR. Can I do that? I'm gonna yeah, do
0: that. please, please.
2: Um, so a lot of shaking, a lot of like. Me personally, I experienced a lot of this like head like, whatever like kind of poltergeisty kind of situation where my hair would literally like spin on top of my head, like a little like tornado, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Anyway, so, and I couldn't, I mean, I literally cannot like replicate that in Mm -hmm. my normal physical body. Now, whatever, 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 I don't, whatever. Um, But there was a lot of shaking back and forth like this. And, and it kind of, it happened in various ways. And after reading that book, The Body Keeps the Score and learning about EMDR, and then going through it in sort of several iterations myself, there was this, there was this actual, like one session that I had with my therapist where I, I I, like hit on this vein of this particular person of my, in my childhood, um, who was an utter terror. Um, my sisters literally would evoke her name as, uh, like, what do you call it? Like as a threat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would scare me straight. I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. You know? Um, And she was the associate pastor's wife and was, I mean, clearly such a deeply broken human, you know, like it's really hard not to have compassion on these people when you grow up and understand what trauma and brokenness does, you know? But anyway, um, so I had this particular session where she came up in my EMDR session and my brain, we weren't, discussing her we weren't talking about anything to do with her but she like came up and my brain would not let go of the image and her voice and the moment that she like entered into this particular story
0: and i was trying
2: to um get away from it so i could finish the session you know and i just looked at my therapist and i'm like she's not going away i can't stop this and she's like okay well we'll just sort of finish up so we finished up that particular session and then I went home and when I got home, I had this, I got this stupid email, like work I was working from home at the time because we were in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and I got this email that I was really frustrated about and I just yelled at my computer really loud and it like unlocked something in me. And I started having this like full on panic attack and, uh, Calvin can talk about the power of the voice, another podcast.
0: But, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but
2: unleashing this thing and I, I my heart rate was up. And I was like looking at my, you know, my thingy. And I was like, I can't get my heart rate to go back down. And it was just like up at like an aerobic level. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like trying to breathe. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And then I'm like, okay, I need to go lay down. So I go into the other room and I lay down on my floor. And it's like, as soon as I did that and sort of like let my body go, I started having this full on somatic experience of like really intense trauma releasing from my body. Um, yeah, I won't go into all of it, but it was scary, like literally scary. And I was like, I need to call my friend and have her take me to the hospital. Like it was that mm-hmm. scary. And so then I, I uh, called my therapist and I was like, I left a message with the receptionist, and I was like, um, "I'm having a little bit of a hard time right now." You know, and I've <laughs> been like writhing on the floor, <laughs> you know. Right. It's, it's a problem I have uh, <laughs> to actually like be in the moment with my emotions. Yeah. Um, anyway, so my therapist called me back, and well, and Val, she was really sweet. She's like, "Oh, okay. Do you need her to call you back today?" And I'm like, um, "Yes, please, please have me back." <laughs> So she called me back at the end of her, like her day or whatever. And she's like, what's going on? And I, I told her what happened and she goes, Oh, okay. Um, well, sounds like you need to come back in so we can process that. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I'd really appreciate that. So I went back in either the next day or the day after. And when we were reprocessing it, I started manifesting. Mm-hmm. I started like jerking and like, having the same kind of body sensations that I did during the renewal movement, during the awakening, whatever, like anytime, I mean, it didn't just happen in church for me when I was a teenager. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would go looking for this stuff. Like some kids would go out and like party and get drunk and I'd be like, I'm going to go get drunk. I'm the Holy spirit.
1: Yeah. We used to do that too. (laughs) Yes, we did. (laughs) Relatable.
0: (laughs) Did
2: you guys listen to extreme disciples? No. What's that? Oh,
0: come on. <laughs> Eyes, and
2: wings. Eyes and wings. What to do and how to get there. Oh my god. You have to listen to it.
0: What well, is that?
2: It's, um. it was a series, a CD series, a CD series, uh-huh. of a series of some kind called praying, the, praying the Bible or praying the scriptures. Anyway, that one was Lou Engle, mm. uh Stacey Campbell, mm-hmm. who if you don't, if you're not familiar with Stacey Campbell, yeah, you should be. Um <laughs> I mean, these people, I cherish these people. Like yeah. they're, you know, it's like such a tension, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um cuz they're just so ugh. But uh yeah, so we would actually it came out in the late 90s and we would literally um oh my gosh, this is like ancient ancient of days stuff. Um <laughs> Misty Misty used to live with my friend heather and and amber well they there's you know it was a bunch of girls living in a house an apartment together and we would go over there and literally lay around in the living room turn the cd on and wait for the holy spirit to fall so we could all manifest together like that's that's the stuff that we did wow. um that was and that was like
1: you didn't right- have to spend any money on booze <laughs>
0: That's a, that's a cheap party.
2: <laughs> well, it's not cheap.
1: And
0: yeah. if you're fasting, you don't, you don't have to get food either. <laughs> yeah.
2: That, that makes it even better. When you're, fasting.
0: <laughs> when you're starving to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I mean, the thing that's funny about that is like, and this could be like part two or three of this <laughs> series. Um, but I didn't start drinking until I was in my late thirties and it was, yeah, it was actually really hilarious because you know, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Anyway, so, well, not, I mean, drinking, I don't count wine and beer as drinking, you
0: know what okay, I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: sure. So anyway, um, oh God, where was I in the story? I told you I ramble. So
0: um, yeah, but there's, well, I, there, I think there was a connection between the, oh, the EMDR yeah, right. and the manifestations. Yeah.
2: Here it is. It's right okay. here. So my experience in my therapist's office after that session and subsequently every time religious trauma and, or these authority figures would show up in my sessions, my body would have these physical manifestations and I couldn't stop. And it was so awkward and I felt so like mm-hmm. uncovered in it, you know, because it's like, yeah, this, this hasn't happened a in a non church setting ever like mm-hmm. a non like Christian setting ever, but be like, this is telling me something about my, my experience younger that Maybe I was actually like, maybe people were reprocessing things, you know, like the bilateral stimulation that people experience during like the manifestations of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Like those are like legitimate somatic experiences to untangle trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I witnessed people getting up from those sessions and having like, like a total sort of like shift of they're thinking. And it was literally like when someone, you know, someone who's doing EMDR on purpose Mm -hmm. um, there. So it goes from your short-term memory and it like, and it like lands in your long-term memory. And and the purpose is so that when you are experiencing something that would typically trigger you because it's not in your, your short-term memory, which apparently is over here, um, (laughs) that it's, know it's housed in your long-term memory and you're not experiencing the sort of time travel that happens with trauma with complex trauma also um so that you're not like time traveling back to that moment and Mm -hmm. and so i'm just kind of like i sort of feel like you know there's oh and then the other thing i wanted to say because since we're talking about the book and all this stuff Mm -hmm. is that in reading the description of children and adolescents with uh complex ptsd you know um there was, you know, this I grew up I, and I feel like you guys probably grew up in something similar to this, but like there is this sort of like holy awe of people with the prophetic gifting.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And there's this amazing thing that the body does and the brain does when you experience trauma for survival purposes and your your medial prefrontal cortex, uh, which is the, the basically it's the cartographer of your internal landscape and the external landscape. Um it goes one way or another in in response to significant long term trauma, and a lot of people become hyper vigilant um, and that's where it turns outward and you are experiencing um you're just you become a master at reading micro expressions micro all of the things right and so a person can walk into a room and just like pick up all the things from all the people at, all at the same time mm-hmm. um And, and he's describing like what a person that is hypervigilant can do in that situation, especially if they're any kind of intuitive. And I literally threw the book across the room as yelling (laughs) Mm -hmm. because my experience in the church was, oh, you're so prophetic. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so annoying. It's like this mystical kind of whatever. So,
0: so so they're glorifying your like the thing that is a symptom of your trauma
2: the trauma symptom
0: (laughs) right like how special are you your your scars are beautiful
2: (laughs) I I literally like when i realized that i i mean i'm looking at the the rest the path you know my life Mm -hmm. through the filter of these are trauma symptoms Mm -hmm. these aren't giftings they're fucking Mm. trauma symptoms
0: Mm-hmm. And if, wow. any,
2: if anybody had any kind of awareness, sorry, I'm shaking my table right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's an earthquake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, if anybody had any kind of awareness, they would have taken me. I, mean, I was a kid, right? Wow. And I'm like on a stage prophesying and like calling people out and exposing everybody's sin in front of them and, wow. you know, all this stuff. And people are like, oh, she's so anointed."
0: Mm-hmm. No, no
2: they were trauma symptoms mm-hmm. and if anybody had any clue mm-hmm. they would have literally like oh sweetheart come here yeah let's get you into some therapy because <laughs> really you're deeply traumatized yeah but no it was the opposite it was like oh do more of that oh mm-hmm. that's yes do more that's of that that's your
0: that's your role and that's your main position and we want you to do that all the time
2: and it yeah. becomes yeah and it gets pimped out you know mm-hmm. like there's there's this memory i was processing with somebody and this memory came up the other day and it was this my the second cult I was in um Mm -hmm. of the four I've been in um it's a pattern yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh
2: so uh yeah the second one the small one the five member one that we were the only ones that knew the truth
0: Mm -hmm. the
2: five of us on the Mm -hmm. planet Mm -hmm. um they used to pimp me out they used to pimp me out as a prophetic uh, minister to churches and say, look, she is ours and you can, you too can experience, your youth can experience this same anointing on mm-hmm. your children, on your youth, if you allow us to come, pay us to come mm-hmm. and minister in your church. And they would like pimp me out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what?
0: Did you get paid for that?
2: Oh, no. I got disciplined. <laughs> I got a whole lot of discipline. And oh, wow. oh my. yeah, yeah. Because of course, you know, the controlling part of it is, oh, well, you're Jezebel. You have the tendency to a Jezebel spirit and um, Absalom also. Not just Jezebel, but Absalom. And um, if you are not tightly controlled um then you will blow shit up i'm I'm,
0: I'm being reminded of of gene gray in the x-men i'm not sure if either of you can appreciate that (laughs) reference
2: i am the phoenix
0: (laughs) 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 i fully want to blow shit up now though
1: (laughs) (laughs) how did that like carry into adulthood for you did you like stay in that zone in the ministry into adulthood
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was in full-time ministry from like 16 until I was probably 36 or 37 and in iterations here and there. Mm. Um, and again, was utterly and totally sincere in it. And honestly, so this is something that I was talking to Calvin about, like this, this process for me of deconstruction, which I've been on for years. It's, it's not a new thing for me, but, um, there's this particular strand of deconstruction that I'm currently on right now that I'm like, Oh my God, this one is kind of intense, but, you know, I have to, I feel like in order to honor who I am and who I have been, I have to have a nuanced process in, in this, you know, like I can't just, I can't just all of a sudden just scrap, you know, a lifetime of myself being really deeply sincere Mm -hmm. and experiencing things that I'm like, I don't know how I could make this up. I was talking to a friend of mine last week and he was telling me that I was having hallucinations. And I was like, um, honey, if you understood how many hallucinations I've had in my life, I should definitely be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and you know, it's it's entirely possible that I should be, but somehow I'm a functional adult, I think. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I can't just, i can't just and i'm not willing to i'm not willing to throw out everything in the process of me recognizing the trauma the emotional and religious and spiritual abuse and trauma and blah 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 that was wrought on me uh you know from the institutionalized church and this theology that goes back to augustine and like you know all this stuff you know like one day let's talk about augustine and like let's take that guy and throat punch him like <laughs> dude when when what's the name was talking about brandon is that yeah his name? yeah, brandon, yeah, yeah. He was talking about paul i was like yes like <laughs> i wanted to throat punch paul my entire fucking life <laughs> even when i loved paul like i was right. like god damn it paul why did you have to write this shit <laughs> <sighs> Like I will brocade my hair, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but Augustine also—I mean, he—he he hated women. He, right. you know, he was the purveyor of original sin, and the idea of anything that comes from a woman—a woman's body—is sin. Wow. And you know, like, and it seeped into absolutely everything. And here we are, mm-hmm. what seventeen hundred years later, and we are still experiencing the fallout of this dude's hatred of women mm-hmm. anyway we're not talking about that right now so as an I adult it. i love it as an adult um <laughs> yeah i mean i i believe you know like i love so, it i, and, and, I could and be it, a monk still i would love to be like a monk instead <laughs> of ancient texts for forever
0: yeah mm. i think there's, there's there's something like so beautiful about being able to not not explain away but to understand like what those things were and the fact that like the human experience is much more nuanced than and we as Christians assumed that it was because I think when we were experiencing those things that were manifestations of the Holy Spirit or like were were our crying out to God and then things would would happen. You know, we would we would see miracles and we would see things that or see spiritual healings that happened over the course of a service or a course of a night of worship of crying or whatever and re- these things releasing, um, which which ironically a lot of those things were were that we were releasing were the products of the churches that we were in, um, oh <laughs> like. Like we were like, like making trauma so that we could be released from trauma. Um, the self-fulfilling prophecy, but, but like a lot of those things that we were experiencing in the physical realm, um, are, we felt were exclusive to us, that we were among the elite that would feel these things that were the love of God, when in reality, that's just probably things that, that are just a part of the human experience. That's the, the, the things that are in the vessel, um, Mm -hmm and in even even using words like for me to use the word vessel is a very much a christian idea you know <laughs> and I, I catch myself doing that from you know from time to time like like ta- calling nature creation you know and like um, <laughs> it's just very funny
2: the firmament in the sky
0: yeah <laughs>
1: but do you think i know that so there's like the giving new context and new understanding to those experiences um from the past, do you think some of them were actually spiritual? Like, where are you now with spirituality and God? Like, do you still believe in that as a thing?
2: Yeah. Oh, that's, it's a good question. It's uh, yes. I believe in God in whatever form, you know, like I actually remember praying a long time ago, like God, get out of my boxes, like be who you actually are because you're so much bigger than I know that I know you to be, you know? And so, I mean, part of this, honestly, I feel like is an answer to that prayer, you know? And, um, I, I definitely, I love Jesus. I think Jesus is the bee's knees, you know, like, um, and I don't, there's a lot of, I don't knows in the process. Um, but I cannot deny my experiences and I cannot refute the the innate um what do I call it? I don't even know what to call it like cosmic love, you know, that I've been wrapped like wrapped with like mm-hmm. physically inundated with um certainly did not originate from me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I believe in this a spiritual realm, and i definitely i think for me where I'm at right now is just the utter like i just utterly want to blow up the institution of the church Mm. and um because of the the massive amount of bloodshed both actual physical bloodshed and metaphoric bloodshed Mm -hmm. that it has primarily caused um throughout the history throughout its history um especially starting in like 300 320 Mm -hmm. um uh, because it 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 went from being a community of people who gathered house to house, breaking bread together, sharing everything in common with people, and and providing the needs for people in the community, right? Like that's the original church, Acts four, whatever, um, to this institution to Constantine's like conquering army of empire making you know and here we are we are literally still under the the guise of that and it looks you know it like looks different or whatever but honestly the trump era utterly broke my heart like finished finished me off finish me off and broke my heart to the utter core because i could not believe what i was witnessing and for people to to ascribe to a belief that would, you know, I mean, I don't have to say anymore. I do not want to give that man any more airtime. Right. But he utterly, I mean, and I'm grateful for it because I feel like it's just exposed to the world. The nasty, like pus laden, like seeping wound that the church has become. Yeah. And I'm going to lance that shit and then I'm going (laughs) to cauterize it and I'm going to burn it down.
1: (laughs) That's a big change from where you were. (laughs) What was like the moment for you where your deconstruction started? Oh gosh. where you were like, or like, you know, what was it that you were like, I got to reassess.
2: It definitely has happened over multiple, like in kind of like a series, I'm super slow processor. So I actually feel like God himself, my father, whatever, you know, the universe, whatever. Um, I call him father. That's my name for him. For mm-hmm. it, whatever. Um, but I feel like there there were times in my life where I literally got taken out of a situation in multiple cults um, where I it felt like I was like, okay, we're going. We're humming. We're going to do this thing. We're going to like make stuff happen and da 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 da. and then all of a sudden something would shift really quickly and it was like and i would leave because i was compelled to for some reason or another and then i would sort of like go off and have this really isolated time in some way or another and get like recalibrated in that and honestly it's those times of recalibration and isolation that were sort of the seed for what is now I'm just wanna blow everything up. I mean <laughs> I feel I feel like there was a moment that the church had to do some serious like reassessment of who it was as an institution in the world as a global good and it missed the opportunity like massively. Mm. And ever since then it's just gone downhill in my opinion and um and I kind of take the not my circus, not my monkeys kind of uh, approach with it now because I would say the last like major iteration of that sort of like isolation season was um, actually I was in the north. I moved back to the northwest um, for about four years and uh, it was deeply isolating and like really intense. But for me, it was actually very uh, grounding and like it, it 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 took everything that I thought was both my right and my permission to be in certain rooms and at certain tables and on certain stages. And it sort of like brought into clarity and into focus like who Am I actually, do I actually have value as a human outside of these gifts, outside of these things that I can bring that are of value to someone? And I kept getting the answer over and over again that no, these, these people actually don't care about you. They actually Mm. don't. They want your talents. They want your gifts. They want your, you know, your power, whatever. Um, And I, I restrained myself from offering those things first. And I found that, um, gosh, like a hundred percent of the time it was like, oh, you don't have any value to us. Mm. And then also as you know, like we can again, talk about this in another session, but like as an older single woman in the church, because I didn't ever end up conforming into their idea of the ideal Um, they, the church in general, in my experience and lots of my friends experience, um, also didn't know what to do with us and didn't have any use for us anymore because a, we weren't being, you know, like covered, um, B, nobody knew what to say to us anymore because clearly, you know, the, like, you just need to trust Jesus for your husband, (laughs) Um, you know, because then we started throat punching them when they said that shit. And we're like, um, have you trusted Jesus for twenty five years for your husband? I don't think so. So back off, bitch.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. So I mean, that stuff just didn't fly anymore because we're like, uh, yeah, no. And so I mean, I know so many women that are my age that are single because golly gee, we trusted Jesus and we were sincere about it. Um, but here we are. And uh, we we are just the pariahs of the community. Not only, and Calvin and I have talked about this too, but not only are we pariahs in the church, but now that we're like thrust out into the universe of today's culture, we are utterly pariahs in the current
0: dating and, and, culture and, 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 and non non church settings.
2: In swiping right or left, like what? <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
0: And having yeah. had your, you know, your very like just intense experiences growing up and being very self aware, like, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to straight, to, to date a straight guy, but I just, I, I get it.
1: Does that, does that count as EMDR swiping right and left? does not that kind of count? <laughs> no. no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not healing. <laughs> no, no.
2: Utterly nuts, Like <laughs> yeah, the opposite. It is
1: horrible. Yeah,
0: it's, it's bad. bad. Well, in closing up, we are, we are we're finding the end of our, of our time. And I, I, you are a wealth of knowledge and experiences, and I'm so grateful that you agreed to be the guest this week. Yes. Um, do you, if you could, you know, kind of You've already said some of it, but summarize your your thoughts. And um, like, what is something that you, if you could say to the entire church in the entire world today, what is something that you could say or request or a vision that you have that would, that, that you think would be helpful to people who are living in, in that community today?
2: Uh, get therapy and <laughs> become trauma informed and stop traumatizing kids.
0: Yes. Mm. I yeah.
2: It. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mechanism. It should be an organism, but it's a mechanism, and it kills people. Mm.
0: Wow. Whew. What are you gonna do today?
2: Well, uh, actually, I, um, I have, a, I'm a part of this uh, panel or something uh, at the Inner Urban Art House. Um, we're, um, sort of talk- we're sort of talking. We're sort of discovering how art and mental wellness um, get to do a better job together mm. um, and it actually was really amazing because it came out of a series that I did when I was at the arts council uh, about resilience community wellness and uh resilience through the arts and mm-hmm. um I was really proud of the the webinar series that we came up with and I'm like beyond thrilled about continuing that conversation with some really awesome people. So I'm going to do that this afternoon and then, um, I'm supposed to take my dog to the vet, but I have to reschedule that. So.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, yes. Thank you for all of your work and your conversations and work in the arts and in mental health, mental, mental health, mental Mental health. That comes first. (laughs) And, uh, and again, thank you so, so much for, for sharing your story and for being vulnerable and for being here on the pod.
2: Well, I was at least transparent. Transparency is also always, not always vulnerability.
0: So ah. not out
1: there. Okay. I like a little, that.
2: little Enneagram speak for you. <laughs> thank
1: you for your transparency. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: All right. Well, have a great one. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>